segment of Talking Points. Uh, Brian, let's kick off our second segment of Talking Points uh, for Week 13 uh, on that epic game, that uh, Niners-Eagles game on uh, on Sunday evening, which in some ways lived up to the billing in, in terms of the highlight plays that we saw. In other ways, of course, it didn't because it ended up being so one-sided. But it was no less fascinating for that like that let's start off first of all looking at the the Niners here because that's bar the first quarter when they ended up with, with minus six yards and huge credits to the Eagles there for how they handled them and, and you know particularly how they were sending players after Purdy and looked like they had him running for his life and looked like they had him seeing ghosts momentarily um but apart from that it's touchdown 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 to six consecutive drives that that ended a touchdown there's there's nothing you can do with that and we've now seen the 49ers handle both the Cowboys and the, the the Eagles the two presumptive rivals for that uh, for that NFC Super Bowl slot and it's uh, it's it's looking really really good for them after that three game slide you get everybody fit you know Colin keeps saying the Niners have the best starters in the league and it's been validated again you don't want to see Trent Williams go down you don't want to see Christian McCaffrey go down you don't want to see Debo go down but on the other side if all those three guys are fit they can win anywhere yeah you're going to kill my tongue today I was going to lead in with the uh, the drives in the game they, they had the they had possession eight times uh, forced two drives two and out and then after that six consecutive touchdowns and I I was impressed with Porter in the sense of he was rattled earlier you know they, you see the Eagles were quite dominant they didn't take their opportunities in terms of getting into the end zone but after that they, the way in which he he controlled the game and I mean the Eagles defense for me was greatly exposed last night the linebackers were. Really struggling, and it's no surprise that Leonard has been signed today. Who I imagine the the dollars on offer went up quite quite significantly today to make sure they secured his his position for the rest of the season. And defensively for the Eagles, like the Fortuners were fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Like some of the plays last night, and Debo had been leading into the game, and he'd been had a lot of sound bites throughout the course of the week. And sometimes when you do things like that, you, you only you know, it only goes one way. But not not last night. I mean, two touchdowns on sixteen yards. He was essentially the player, and when he's like that, I think Colin put it up on, on social last night. When he's in that, when he's in that state of mind that he's playing like that, he's unstoppable. But for me, the Eagles' defense is a shadow. He's, he's a mis- mismatch nightmare. Like I think Neil Reynolds yeah. was saying on Sky last night. Like physically, in terms of his stature, he he's got that Marshawn Lynch body, but the pace and the and the agility are, are at a different level. Like how you stop him in the open field is there's, there's no wonder he's he's the king of yak. But essentially, just what Kadarius Tony is supposed to be doing for the Chiefs, he's that type of dynamic player where you can give him the ball two yards behind the line of scrimmage and he can turn it into 25-yard receptions and and so on. Debo's obviously going off to the end zone on a number of but like When Debo's heads were like, we saw only two years ago, Debo was looking to be traded because he, he felt he was being used more of a running back. But we're essentially still seeing that kind of dual threat of being a running back and then obviously a wide receiver. But they've got so many players at their disposal. Like McCaffrey as well, immediate 40 yards of reception. Such a dual threat. They've dual threats all over the field right now. And then Kittle goes round, goes off for sixty six, and he's getting on the perimeter. And the coverage was soft. And the Eagles' defense. I was looking at some of the numbers today. It's starting where this defense is compared to last year. Our tore down defense to twenty eighth in the league. So the worst defense in the league in the red zone. The torching against yards. So they're twenty fourth against passing touchdowns given up. I mean, you can we can go on about the ten and one record with ten and two now, and, and we can say okay, they'll still be. They're thereabouts and they'll, they'll get it right, like a bit like the Chiefs, they might get it right defensively. But they're really alarming numbers. And ultimately, when it comes down to the playoffs and you're up against the upper edge, and I was like, Colin might smear this one because he, I know how he feels about Dak. And there, we, we, everyone loves smoke up Dak's, you know, what, and come this weekend, it's going to be the same. But like, in fairness to the Cowboys at home in particular, they are putting up an average of 38 to 41 points this weekend. So 
on that basis and the way that defense is playing at the moment, you would expect Dak to have a good game. And then ultimately, can the Eagles deliver him? I think the Eagles are in a precarious situation where they could fall. We've seen the Chiefs go from arguably one seed down to four seed right now. So against the Rams, possibly this weekend, we see something similar if the Cowboys come out on top. But defensively, that could be the stumbling block for this Eagles team to go back to the Super Bowl. And Colin, we'll, we'll come back to the Eagles in more detail because there's plenty to talk about there as well. But you look at it just a round out on the on the Niners. I mean, they, they really needed this one and, the, and, and they wanted it. They needed it to make a race of the NFC one seed, which obviously we, we, we'll, we'll talk about in a couple of moments too. But it wasn't enough just to beat them. I mean, clearly Kyle Shanahan wanted to make a point here. You know, there's an element of maybe we get the one seed and maybe we don't. But if we have to come here again, there's plenty more where that came from. Yeah, and, and it just goes back like they have the the best starters in in the league. That there 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 isn't any doubt for, to me on on that side of things. Um, and they when they they had a, a point to prove and they targeted the the weakness. Now, look, the league has shown us time and time again, and my Broncos have been the wrong side of it in 2012. Uh, Brian's Giants were on the, the right side of it. You can have the, the best team, but come the playoffs, you know, funny things can, can happen. Um, but to me, I suppose, like Connor, when, and I, it's tough to know when we get it, I'll get get into it now, a touch on it now. I know we'll get into the um, MVP discussion, but like, you know, Brock Purdy, right, La- last night, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Trent Williams were, don't get, like, don't, don't get me wrong, Brock Purdy's a very good quarterback. But Brock Purdy is not the quintessential, he's not the MVP of this team. We saw it in the three-game slide, we saw it last night. Christian McCaffrey was what made the difference. Oh, they have, like, you know, Brock Purdy's in the perfect it's kinda, situation. It's, it's hard to overstate this, Colin, I'm sorry to cut across you, but like when you watch that, and when we know how good the Eagles are, and we know particularly where the strength of that Eagles team is on the defensive line, and you've Kyle Shanahan dialing up the same run over and over and over and over again to the left. Trent Williams leading for Christian McCaffrey, and they were just killing them with body shots. It was very, very impressive for, to, to watch. It's like, we want to bleed you here. We really want to make it hurt. Yeah, and and they will they will do that. Like they're prepared to you know go out, and it shows. Like, what if McCaffrey wasn't there last night? This would have looked different. I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, there are other QBs who wouldn't be able to do what Brock Purdy can do. But Brock Purdy, I I believe, has the best supporting cast, um, all round cast potentially that potentially that we've ever seen. Like Debo Samuel is an all pro. George Kittle is an all pro. Chris McCaffrey is an absolute all pro. Chris McCaffrey might be the, you know, the best running back in the sport right now. Trent Williams is a future Hall of Famer. Like, yeah, and he's got one of the greatest play callers that we've seen. Like, the, and, the and they work their asses off off yes. the ball as well. Like, you know, Kyle Shanahan described, I think you you used the quote earlier and I saw it come up again over the weekend about how he's an all-pro in a walk-on player's but that he does all the dirty stuff. You pick up, you know, unblocked linebackers on a cover zero blitz when he needs to. You know, we've seen George Kittle pancake in defensive ends. We saw him hand, handle Hassan Reddick. Like, when does Hassan Reddick ever get handled by a, by a tight end? Like, Kittle's blocking is just out of this world. Brian, let's talk about the Eagles, though, because there's a lot to dissect there yeah. as well. Um, and I think in fairness to them, you got to point out, they are running the gauntlet at the moment. There was a lot lot said last season, and you know, I said it myself, about how 
relatively easy their schedule was and how this thing kind of opened up for them good and all as they were last season and they were excellent but this year you know they've had this this horrible run where they had to play the Bills they had to play the Chiefs they won both of those games to give them their credit it's a very tight turnaround for this Niners game it came at a bad time for them and now they've got the Cowboys as well and it really did seem to to catch up with them you saw players just running through arm tackles late on their their defense was just absolutely gassed and, and a lot of that had to come from the amount of snaps they had to play in that uh, that overtime game against Buffalo yeah they've been losing at half time for the five games in a row I only picked up on that stat today when I was reviewing some of the numbers in the game and to be losing for a team that's in the record in which they have to be losing at half time five times in a row is it's quite alarming and like the Bills we felt the Bills kind of let that one slide last week. I know you were both confident on the 49ers. I thought the, the narrative of the conversations all week that the 49ers were here to kind of put a marker down because of the, the nature of the championship game. But I felt the Eagles would be really buoyed by it. But with the, extent, with the exception of maybe the first two drives, there was very little there. And it is quite alarming that you come out of a game at home and you lose 42-19. It's certainly, you, you called it at the start of the season. Like the schedule is difficult. We have to navigate victories without really playing at the manner in which we saw last year. And there were, they were getting overrun because the offense was still able to be productive to get enough points to kind of cover the flaws of this defense. But you come up against arguably the best team in the league. I mean, just in another look on the 49ers, like when we interviewed Joe Staley, uh, sorry, kind of when you did the interview when we were in London, he said there's a very different feel about this team this year. And I was looking at the three most comprehensive wins for 49ers 24 3 against the Jags, who could be the one seed in the AFC come 4 a.m. tonight. They, they put a beat down on the Cowboys 42 10, and they put a beat down yesterday 42 19. They're like, they're, they're streets ahead of others. But for the Eagles, I mean, it's very much about going to get back to basics I mean, in the sense of what do we do defensively because if the offense will be fine, I, I imagine we'll even see a reaction next Sunday. But it's just too many holes and there's too many caps. And when you see them quite actively today getting net or in, kind of strikes me as a team that recognise the players in which they have aren't at the level which we saw last year and we need to correct things. He's got to come in probably play immediately this coming Sunday. Before we move on, Colin, from the Eagles, there is the, the one side plot to this game and it's almost a non-footballing point, but it's still, there is a, a little bit of talking about it. It's the, the Dre, yeah. Dre Greedlaw versus versus Dom DeSandro, the, the Eagles head of security and senior advisor to the to the owner, um, Dom DeSandro. So, you know, and, and, and joking aside, a, a non-playing member of staff coming onto the field and putting their hands on a player is is a serious security issue. And the NFL are going to probably come down like a ton of bricks on, on the Eagles over this because something like that can't happen. It's a very human thing to do. He's the head of security. He loves the players. He's just seen Drake Greenlaw execute a cheap shot on, on an Eagles player, to be fair. It's a terrible play for which he's justly penalized. He gets a 15-yard unnecessary roughness for that uh, effective suplex, as it was called in commentary, after the, after the tackle is made. And Don DeSandro puts his arm out on, on Dre Greenlaw, which you should never do. Dre Greenlaw kind of lightly touches him in, in the face. You wouldn't even call it a poke or a, or a dig and gets ejected for it. You know when something's really wrong when Nick Sirianni says sorry. And Nick Sirianni said sorry to, to Kyle Shanahan after the game, which in fairness to him in the heat of the moment after your team has just been shellacked, you've got to hold your hands up and say fair play. But um, it just goes to show how relatively serious that, that infraction was. I think especially given that, you know, as you've said, it was a non, um, a non, non-coach, non-player. I think uh, I heard maybe it was Nate Tice on the Athletic podcast said, um, if you don't have a headset, like if you're not a player and you're not a headset, you should not be. 
uh, getting involved in anything on the the sideline, which is probably a, a good rule of thumb. I will say, like green, like it took it. You caught. You're right. The suplex. Like what Greenlaw did, he has. There has been no replays of that. Like I mean, the thing he absolutely put the safety of another player in jeopardy, and you know there. Say the big hit on Swift, right? That is part of football, right? There was nothing wrong with that. That's just a clean big hit. But what Greenlaw did was absolutely idiotic. It was beyond stupid. And it's a type of stuff, right? Think about Jim McMahon's career being ruined. Um, this is the type of stuff, like if that ends a, a career, we've talked about it before, there's so many different ways. Um, so yeah, the, the book should be thrown at the Eagles uh, for, for that. You should not have uh, him down on the sideline getting involved. But it, I, I cannot believe that Greenlaw and what he did. This is the type of nonsense. There's, there are, don't get me wrong, there are all sorts of problems with refs, right, in the NFL. But these sorts of cheap shots, like players, you know, sometimes it amazes me that they don't realize, like, it's, N, it's NFL, it's not for long. You guys, the owners are making billions. It's your bodies. Like, why are you going out and, and, and do it? You know, do you do enough damage during the game? What is the point in suplexing guy off the ball? It's crazy to me. Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. Uh, we just want to, like the chippiness for the game, um, and, and I, I'm not condoning. I totally agree with Colin, but the chippiness was clearly the evidence. We winning a half an hour of the game, and we saw the coverage around players holding their position on the field and not moving toward other people to players to warm up. And I had the NFC Championship type of feel about it is that this both teams recognise that they are not like you're going to see each other again, maybe further down the line. And who comes out on top of me will maybe where that game is played next time around. But it did have that, that feel about it. I think some players were lost last time. Where like Colin, you call it last night, Fred Warner as well was getting involved it, very quickly after. It was on this, literally on the same drive, I think, but in two plays. He's, he's punching players in the helmet and stuff like that. Like there was loads of stuff that went off. I, I think the league will use this as an opportunity to kind of deflect because there's been, there was so many poor players, poor decisions, refereeing decisions over the course of the weekend. In numerous games, we saw it on Sunday night football with the Mahomes going out of bounds. We saw that that's already been compared to Herbert being two yards off the field last weekend. Sunday night football, low flag. But I think the will use this opportunity to kind of deflect away from what what I would say has been a really bad weekend in terms of refereeing within the league. Yeah, and it's terrible that that's still a talking point, but unfortunately, week after week it is, and it, it's it's changing the outcome of games, and it makes you nervous for postseason when you don't want to see big calls or big non-calls decide games you want to see them decided on the field but on the field the battle for that number one seed in the in the NFC is now wide open Colin so as as fans this was actually the right result obviously it's the wrong result for the Eagles but it, it closes that gap um, and it's now um, over to the Cowboys I guess to to, to, to decide whether even the NFC East um, may, may not in fact be be open and shut because if they beat the, the Eagles they'll feel that they can actually take that division and, and, and maybe put the Eagles into, into the wild card never mind the, the number one seed but we're getting ahead of ourselves because you know if you're looking at that uh, at that battle now um it, it, it's 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 very much in 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 Dallas's sorry it's not in Dallas's hands it could end up being in San Francisco's hand because they now have the tie break over both the, the Eagles and the and the and the and the Cowboys, but that doesn't come into into play unless the Cowboys do their job on Sunday. Yeah, and that that is a, a huge game. Obviously, there'll be massive expectation. It, the Cowboys are at home, and it will be interesting to see the kind of response that we get from Philly. Because I thought, I thought, you know, 
the passing game was actually okay from Philly. Um, I, Hertz wasn't seeing everything, and he did go off the field at one point. He's clearly, you know, carrying a number, I think, of, of knocks. I think that's something to, to keep an eye on. But the running game was a real issue. Um, and I suppose if you're the if you're the Eagles or um or you're the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys always felt that they matched up reasonably well with the Eagles, and they probably kind of maybe hoped that the Eagles would take care of the Niners in some way because the Cowboys don't match up well with the Niners. Uh, so it will be interesting. Um, but they're they're all eyes are obviously going to be on that because the Cowboys garner enough headlines. Um, it, will will Jerry be tempted uh, to do uh, something stupid? Uh, Fred talked about the the wonderful uh, Dallas team of the the mid nineties, um, but you know we've talked on this show before about the time when he put tickets and basically cost Wade Phillips, uh, 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 you know, uh, in so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Jerry goes on one of his two radio shows at Dallas this week and provides Nick Sirianni and the Eagles um, with some bulletin board material. But I think as we sit here today, Connor, you'd have to have the Cowboys as favourites for that right now. And we'll talk about that game in detail um, in our in our previews show, Brian, on, on, on Wednesday this week. But um, from the point of view of the number one seed, like you're, you're looking at this after the game last night, we all said... We'd have one prediction for the for 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 this game for 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 Eagle, uh, Eagles Niners as it took place on Sunday, but you might go a different way for the for the for the divisional round Playoffs, championship yeah. game if they end up have, having a rematch. But a lot of that depends on on where the game takes place. Like Niners having home field advantage, Niners getting the first round by would be would be huge for them for the for the paths in the NFC to run through there. And um, equally, you would you would think the Eagles would only love to welcome the Niners back to to, to Lincoln Financial and and put this one right now. They're the ones that have the have the big chip on their shoulder and feel like they didn't do themselves justice. And we you know will also feel probably they won't say it publicly, but they'll be thinking, yeah, we didn't have the chance to put our best foot forward here because we we had a short turnaround. Niners come into this one rested. We've just come off an overtime win against Buffalo. Going to be different in the playoffs, but. Again, we talk about it over and over again. Getting that buy and getting that home field advantage is now massive. Absolutely. I, I would say going into Santa Clara wouldn't be as daunting for most teams as going into Philadelphia and going to the link because of the nature of the atmosphere and kind of because of the, the the lovely welcome you get from, from most Eagles fans. I don't think uh, going into Santa Clara with nice, you know, it's nice weather. We saw Mark Harkin was at the, the playoff game last year in January. In which they beat the Cowboys, um, media accredited on it. I think it was 22 degrees at that, that game in January. But going into the link on a, on a Sunday night, a late Sunday night game this year, um, I think it's a little bit more daunting. I think for right now for the Eagles, I think they just need to kind of take stock and, you know, let's put all this conversation of where we're playing or where we're seated within the playoffs aside. Let's just focus on getting back on track and at least get ourselves in the position to win the division because they lose on Sunday. They're not even in, they're not even divisional you know they're not even leading the division anymore so the conversation of seeding really goes away they're essentially falling into a wildcard slot but uh, I think ultimately what will come down to bearing in mind some of the injuries in which the 49ers have had and we saw how much they struggled over the course of the three weeks when they lost to get that extra week off I think that's the most crucial part and then obviously then you turn your attention in terms of the AFC because it's, the AFC one seed is a little bit more of it like I think the Chiefs essentially are out of running now I know they're only one game back but 
They're not chasing one team. They're chasing three teams. Chasing the Jags, the Ravens, the Dolphins. You're asking all of them to stumble towards the back end of the season so the Chiefs could do the leapfrog. So for two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year who both were one seeds, right now it looks like it precarious that both of them will be the one seed this year. All right, that's 